everything that pertains to living this life and godliness. What is it that you need to live in this life? What is it that you need to, to go through victoriously in life? It says His divine power has made all this available to us. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue because you know Him. Verse 4, by which are given to us exceedingly great and precious promises so that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of lust. Verse 4 says that God has made available to us by His power, He has made available to us exceeding great and precious promises. So He's given to you Backed by his own power. Great and precious promises. Every promise of God is backed by his own divine power. Amen. Every promise of God. Every promise of God which is great and exceeding these manifold promises. Diverse promises is backed by his divine power. And he's given it to us for what? So that by these. By these promises, you and I can partake or enjoy His divine nature. Everything God is, He's making available to you and me through His exceeding great and precious promises which are backed by His divine power. Are you with me? See, the promises in the Bible are not just for you and me to underline and say, that's nice. You know, yellow color, next time you read it, red color, next time you read it, green color. Each time you keep coming, the promises of God and, and the promise isn't to be fulfilled in your life and mine. When you read the promise of God, which says, remember the Lord your God, because it is He who gives you the power to make wealth. That's Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. It's not put there so that, you know, you might think like, yeah, God wants me to get a little wealth. No, no, no. It's put there so that you can enjoy and experience the promise of God working out in your life that by that divinely empowered promise, you can experience the making of wealth right here on earth. Amen? It's so funny that the people who oppose us in talking about wealth, are the very ones who come and ask us for money for missions work. And so when we talk that God, when we say that God wants to give you the power to get wealth, say, no, 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 you shouldn't preach wealth. But you're the one who's coming and asking us for offering. And for us to give an offering, we need to make wealth somewhere, amen. Are you with me? So you need to have faith in God. And you need to be, take that promise and say, God, these exceeding great and precious promises. The promise that says that wealth and riches will be in my house. It's in the Bible. Psalm 112 verse 3. And you take that promise and say, God, this exceeding great and precious promise is divinely empowered. And it's given to me so that I could be a partaker of who God is. He is the giver of wealth. And you inherit that promise. And then when people come and say, can you give us an offering? Say, Most gladly I will. Because out of the abundance that God has given you, you can bless the world. But if you don't have, then how are we going to give? Amen? 
So God has given to us these promises so that by them we can partake of all that He is and, and who He is. God's a God who gives good things. But what we must understand is that we must receive by faith. And that's what James brings to us. So let's go to James chapter 1. As James teaches us about God and how we must receive from God. In James chapter 1, we're going to read verses 5 through 8. It says, if any of you, any of you, which means all of us. None of us are excluded from what James is about to write. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And he tells us something about God, the one whom we are going to ask from. He says, let him ask God who gives to all. How many people does God give to? He gives to all. You know, sometimes in our wrong religious thinking, we, we look at, you know, we look at that person there and the other person there and, you know, God's blessed them and God's blessed her. And, and then you think, you know, see, God favors them, but maybe he doesn't favor me. But that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God gives to all. All. He's ready to give to you. He is no respecter of persons. So James says, if any of you lack wisdom, you come to God. And this is who God is. He's a God who gives to all. Liberally. How does God give? Liberally. But in so much of our thinking, this is how we are trained to think. If you ask God for five things, maybe he'll give two. That is not liberal. Is it? But how many of us think about God like that? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God gives to all and he gives liberally. Let's say that word, liberally. See, God's a generous giver. He's a liberal giver. He's not how we say kanjus. He's liberal. He's happy to give. So we need to discard our wrong picture of God, which tells us, you know, if you ask for five things, maybe God might give you one. If he's happy with you, he'll give two. If you pray a lot, he'll give, he might decide to give you three. But getting all five, forget it. That's wrong. Because the Bible says, God gives to all liberally. He's a bountiful giver. When he came to Abraham in, in, in Genesis 17 verse 1, he revealed himself to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I am the Lord Almighty. The word in the Hebrew simply means I am the El Shaddai. I am God who is more than enough. I am God who is abundant. I am God who is overflowing. I am God who is bountiful. Abraham, that's who I am. I am the El Shaddai. The God is more than enough. So James, going back to James, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, who gives liberally and without reproach. 
Meaning God doesn't scold you when he gives you. Now sometimes, you know, some parents are like this, you know, the kid goes and asks for ice cream. They say, only one ice cream and don't ask me for any more for next whole month. But that is not God. He gives without reproach. Meaning he doesn't make you feel bad that you're getting something from him. He doesn't scold you when he gives to you. Amen? I think for many of us are saying, like, which God are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about the God of the Bible. The God who gives to all, who gives liberally, and who gives without reproach. He doesn't get angry. He says, you know, two years ago, you came and asked me for this. Why are you coming back so soon? He doesn't do that. He gives liberally without reproach. So he says, when you come to God, you are coming to this kind of a God to bring your request. Amen. So that's how we must approach God in prayer as we come to receive from him. God gives without reproach and it will be given him. Verse 6. But, he says, but here's the clause. What is it, James? Verse 6. Let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he would receive anything, not just wisdom, anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So James is saying, you know, we've got this great, bountiful God who is ready to give to every person. Who's ready to give so liberally and he's not going to get angry about it. This is a bountiful God. Come to him like this. But here's the requirement. When you come to him, come in faith. Ask in faith. Without any doubt. No doubt in your heart. And if you do that, he says you can receive anything from God. If you do not do that, then forget it. This, this, this principle applies not just to receiving wisdom, but to receiving anything from God. You come, you ask in faith. Amen? So Jesus taught us the same thing. You know, Matthew 7, 7 through 11 is a, is a verse all familiar to all of us. He said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And then he said, you know, if any of you are having a son and the son comes and asks you for a bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you ask him for a fish, will you give him a snake? He says, no, 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 none of your fathers would do that. He says, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? See, God's willing to give. Much, much greater than even an earthly parent. An earthly parent will do their best according to their ability to give. But He says God is so much greater. He's willing to give good things to those who ask Him. That's our God. Amen? 
God is, will not get upset. When you come to him and say, God, you know, I, I want to accomplish such and such thing on the earth. God is for you. He put that desire in your heart. God will not get, get angry with you. Say, God, I want to become such and such a person so I can have such such influence on this world. God will not get upset. He's, he's for you. He's, he's ready to give good things to you. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32, he said, Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, God's ready to give you whatever is in his kingdom. He's ready to give to you. Don't be afraid. That's the God we serve and we believe in. Amen. So we must change our picture of God. Understand that the God we serve is a bountiful God. He's ready to give to us. But the requirement the Bible puts before us is this. When you come to Him, you ask in faith. And that's what we want to learn. How do we have this faith that receives from God? Because if I do not have that faith, if I do not exercise that kind of a faith that receives from God, James says, forget it, you will not receive anything from the Lord. Although there is a God in heaven who cares for you and me, there's a God in heaven who wants to bless, who wants to prosper, who wants to increase, who wants to provide, who wants to be behind you. Although there is such a God, if I do not have this faith that receives from God, then down here on earth, James says, let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. So the problem is not with who God is. The problem is that I am not able to make the connection with a faith that receives from God. You with me? So it's important for us as believers to learn how to have that faith and how to exercise that faith that can receive from God. Because all of us would love to to see increase, to see growth, to see uh, doors open, to become things that we have been dreaming of for a long time, to accomplish things that we've been desiring to. I'm sure all of us would want to get there, do that, become, achieve. Uh, But then we need this faith that connects with God to receive that. Now Jesus in his earthly ministry demonstrated that. He, he required that kind of a faith when people came to him to receive. You know in Matthew 9 and I just, just run through some instances here. In Matthew 9 with the two blind men they come to Jesus and, and, they, and, and Jesus asks them you know, what would you like for me to do for you? And they say Lord that we might receive our sight. His question to them was do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said yes. And his response was According to your faith, be it done for you. See, he required faith of them. This woman with an issue of blood, when for 12 years she comes to the crowd in Mark 5, and and she touches the hem of his garment, and, and she's healed, and Jesus turns around to her and he says, Woman or daughter, your faith has made you whole. Meaning, because you came to me in faith, that's what you received, what you came for. Your faith has made you whole. Think about Jairus in the same chapter of Mark 5. Uh, His daughter is sick. He's come to Jesus and says, Lord, you know, my daughter is severely sick at the point of death. Please come lay your hand on her. And Jesus is on the way going to Jairus' house. And along the way, the news comes saying, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. How did Jesus react in that situation? Just four words. He said, fear not, only believe. Fear not, only believe. I mean, that's all I want from you, Jairus. 
Your situation has gone from bad to worse. The only thing I want from you is fear not, only believe. You came to receive something from me. Here's what I want from you. Fear not, only believe. And as Jesus made his way to Jairus' house, you know the rest of the story. He brought his daughter back to life. In Mark 9, a man comes with his son who's demon-possessed. And the disciples of Jesus couldn't really help him. And so he goes to Jesus. And and here's what Jesus asks of him. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So you've come to me for something. All I'm asking from you is, if you can believe, all things are possible. And maybe that man found himself in like, you know, a situation like you and I would find ourselves from time to time. He said, Lord, I am struggling. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Meaning, there's a little struggle going on, Lord. Because, you know, I've seen the failure of your disciples as well. So that's, that's another problem I'm trying to work through. He says, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. The only thing that Jesus required of him is this. He said, if you believe. All things are possible. Amen. So when we come to the Lord to receive from this bountiful God. First of all, understand He's more than willing to give. He's more than willing to bless. He's more than willing to prosper. He's more than willing to cause you to increase. He's more than willing to help you fulfill your dreams. He's more than willing to help you become what you desire to become. He's more than willing. Have that great grand picture of God that is true and right according to Scripture. Discard the wrong image of God. And then when you ask, He says, ask in faith. Look at some of the promises Jesus gave to us concerning prayer in Mark 11, verse 24. In Mark 11, 24, Jesus says, Whatever you desire, who desires? What did Jesus say? Whatever you desire. Now, that's pretty scary. He didn't say, Whatever the Father desires. He said, whatever you desire. See, sometimes we become more spiritual than God. And we say, I have cleansed my life of all desires. Please don't do that. Because then you will not accomplish anything on earth. If you are going to become something and achieve something on earth, you need to have some strong passionate desires because faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. And Jesus said, whatever you desire. What is it that you desire? So God, I desire that my city come to Jesus. I desire that I impact my nation. I desire that I become such and such a kind of person who can have such and such influence and affect such and such lives. What is it you desire? You've got to have some desire. It says, continues in Mark 11, 24. When you pray, believe. So here's the connection. You have a desire. You're going to this God who's bountiful, who's ready to give. When you're praying, Here's what you do. Believe. Believe what? Believe that you have received them. Believe that you have received them. Meaning, 
when you get down to pray and you say, God, I, I, I'm praying for such and such a thing, in your heart, there must be a conviction. It is a done deal. Amen? Believe that you have received. And he says, and you will have it. And you will have it. I am not believing that maybe God will put it through his queue and uh, then think about it and come back to me with an answer. He didn't say that. He said, believe that you have received it. Meaning in your spirit, it's this faith that says, I have the title deeds. I believe I have received it. It's done in my spirit. Amen? And I know that sometimes to get to that point may take a while to come to a place where you have believed that it is a done thing. Because there are struggles in our minds. There are questions, doubts hitting our mind. And, and so you might need to pray through it a time, a season, and just getting to a place where you believe that you have received. There's nothing wrong with that. That you go through some time of just, you know, Coming to a place where you believe that you have received. But he said, when you pray, this is the kind of believing I want you to have. Believe that you have received. Meaning, in your spirit, it's done. There's no more struggle. There's no more question. It's done. Then he said, and you will have it. Amen. So what's the kind of faith you and I must have when we want to receive from God? He says, when you pray, believe that you have Saved. It's done. It's a closed case. No more debate. It's done. My faith says it is done. But you say, but I don't see it yet. But faith is the conviction of things not seen. Uh, but, but, but it's not there yet. Faith is the title deed of things you're hoping for. I have the title deed in my spirit. It's mine. It's done. Because when I prayed, I believed that I received. Amen. Now that's the kind of faith we must have when we pray. Look at Jesus when he gave us his promises on prayer in John the 16th chapter. In John chapter 16 verses 23 and 24. Here's what Jesus said. He said, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. He says, till now you haven't exercise your power of attorney. You have not gone to the Father in my name. He says, until now you have not asked anything in my name. Verily I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you so that your joy may be full. Why does God want to answer your prayer? Are you all with me? I did I lose you somewhere. Why does God want to answer your prayer? So that your joy Maybe. See, sometimes we think like, you know, God wants to answer my prayer because maybe, uh, maybe, you know, it makes him happy. No, 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 it's the other way. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you so that your joy, your joy may be full. So what's going to make you joyful? So I pass my exams. That I get a promotion, good. That I'm able to accomplish something in life, good. 
I'm able to become something I dream about becoming good. What is it that will make you full of joy? He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you so that your joy may be full. Amen? But ask in faith. How do you ask? Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. I want to just look at Abraham and Sarah very quickly before we finish. To see how they have the faith that could receive from God. Just follow their, their example. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 11 and 12. Hebrews 11 verses 11 and 12. We'll look at another passage of scripture before we close after this. In Hebrews 11 verses 11 and 12. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as a sand which is by the seashore. Interesting that God would say this about Sarah. He says, by faith Sarah received strength for her to bear a child. Because she counted God faithful, the one who made the promise. But really when you look at the story of Sarah, her first reaction was not one of great faith. Right? When, when the promise came to Sarah, I mean, she laughed. She's like, God, you, know, you must be up to something funny here, God. I mean, God, this cannot be. It's impossible, God. How could this be? She kind of laughed in the beginning. But yet, you know, when God is writing his report, he's not writing about the process and the moments of failure. He's writing the end result. She gets a good report. By faith, she received strength to conceive seed. But she had her moments of ups and downs. She laughed at the promise of God. She said, how can this be? God, it cannot be possible. I'm so old. And, and she had those challenges. But eventually, she came to a place where God said, by faith, she received the strength to give birth to a child. And she saw the fulfillment of a promise. So that through her and Abraham came forth this, this nation. As numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Amen. So there may be times like Sarah when you and I struggle with the promise of God. The promise of God comes to us and, and, and you're like, God, I'm not sure if this is going to work. I'm not sure if I can become this. I'm not sure if I can accomplish that. I'm not sure if that promise is going to work in my life. And you might laugh, you might question, but eventually as you immerse yourself in that promise, like Sarah, you come to a place where by faith you receive what God has spoken. And God doesn't write about all your ups and downs. He writes about the good report. You passed the test. You reached the result. You got the promise fulfilled in your life. Amen. By faith, Sarah received strength to give birth to a child. She received from God what God wanted to give to her by faith. Look at Abraham in Romans the fourth chapter. 
his step of faith, of how he received from God. In Romans chapter 4, verses 17 to 21, again, a very, very familiar passage, so as we've seen it so many times before. Romans 4, 17 to 21, Abraham's steps of faith as he received from God. As it is written, verse 17, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. Here's another thing about God you and I must understand. God does not measure his promise by our circumstance. He gives a promise that is far bigger than our situations and our circumstances. Amen. He doesn't say, you know, what I want to do through you uh, is dependent on how many degrees you have, how educated you are, how smart you are. No, no, no. He doesn't measure his promise by our circumstances and our experiences. No. The Bible says he's the God who gives life to what is dead. So many times God steps into your circumstance. It looks dead. It looks hopeless. You are ready to give up. I mean, for you, the funeral is over. And God says, hello, I want to give life to what you think is dead. Amen. That's the way God works. He's the God who gives life to what is dead. And how does His promise come? His promise doesn't come, you know, necessarily by Angel Gabriel coming down from heaven and saying, Hello, I've got an email from God for you. Here's the email. Sorry, this is angel mail, sorry. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily happen that way. The promise of God many times comes to you as He quickens a worse. As you're reading the Bible and you see something in the Bible. You say, wow, that's in the Bible and it, may, it is meant for me. That's God speaking to you. That's God giving you His promise. Amen? You might be suffering from an incurable disease. And then you read His word which says... He forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. And then he said, God, that's for me. But my situation is dead. It's bad. It's incurable. But his word says, he heals all my diseases. Including the ones that are incurable. Amen. And God steps into your circumstance and says, I want to give life to what is dead. Here's my promise. And he's also the God who calls things that do not exist as though they did. In your situation, in your circumstance, it's like it's impossible that that you would ever experience the goodness of God, that you would ever experience the joy of the Lord or ever experience anything that God has spoken. But God says, that's exactly the kind of situation I want to work in. In situations where things do not exist, I want to bring it in to be. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. Who, the one who gives life to the dead. Who calls things that do not exist as though they did. And so we pick up on Abraham. When God comes to Abraham and Abraham's like, God, I mean, it would have been so nice if you just let me alone. I'm old. Sarah's old. 
We, we're not interested in the childs. But we're happy. God says, Abraham, you're going to have a child. You're going to, I'm going to make you the father of a big nation. He steps into our situations like that. Amen. Now what is dead, what is hopeless, the word of the Lord comes. The promise comes from the scripture. Maybe a prophetic word is spoken into your life saying this and this is what God is going to do. And you say, God, it's impossible. But listen, here's what you and I must do to receive that promise. Follow the steps of Abraham. What did he do? Verse 18 says, who against hope believed in hope. That he might become according to what was spoken. Against all hope, he still believed. Amen. See, so maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I'm at the end of my finances. I've, I'm, you know, my, my money is gone for whatever reason. I have no more money left. Do you know that God wants to put money in your hands? So why? So that he can take care of you and through you bless others. But this very moment... The circumstances would be bad. It, you may be in a situation where things seem so dead. And God says, listen. His word comes to you. His word says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. His word comes to you which says that wealth and riches will be in your house. His word comes to you which says, I am the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. And suddenly everything changes and God says, will you believe that? Will you believe that? Maybe in your life, in your job, in your career, you hit a point where you say like, you know, things are never, never going to change. This is a dead end road for my life, for my professional life. But then his word comes and says, it is the Lord who raises up one and puts down another. That promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but it is God who raises people up. And that promotion, that increase, does not depend on whether you think it's a dead end for your life or not. His word says, it is God who raises up one. Amen. So will you believe that? Will you have faith in your circumstance and say, God... This circumstance looks dead. It looks hopeless. But your word says you will make me the head and not the tail. Your word says that you lift up the poor and the lowly and you set them on the seats with princes and rulers. Your word says that I will humble myself under the mighty hand of God. You will exalt me in due time. Your word says that you will open the double doors and make a way where there seems to be no way. Will you have that kind of faith? Is the question. Amen. And Abraham did it. It says, who against all hope he believed that he would become according to what God had spoken. Will you dare to believe that you will become according to what God has spoken? Will you dare to believe that your circumstance can change and become what God has spoken? Will you dare to believe that your financial situation, that your professional life, that your home, that your family, that your children will change and become according to what God has spoken. That's the question. But that's the step we must take to receive from God. That's what Abraham did. Against all hope, he believed God. And then it continues. He says in verse 19, He considered not his own body, which was now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
So that's the next step you and I need to take. Don't let your circumstances nullify the promise of God. You always have a choice. Can you believe the promise of God? Or do you want to allow the facts of your circumstances negate the promise? Here's what Abraham did. He refused to stagger at the promise of God. He refused to allow the circumstances, his old age and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He refused to allow those things to nullify the promise. Will you still believe? Whatever it is from the word of God that you are reading and believing. Will you still believe that God will do it for you? He considered not that his own body was dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the, unbelief, at the word of God through unbelief. But here's what he did. He was strengthened in faith. Strengthened in faith. Now that's a process. You don't go from no faith to great faith in a moment. The Bible talks about faith that grows. Second Thessalonians 1.3 So from no faith, you get a little faith, and then you get a great faith. He was strengthened in his faith. For Abraham, it took about 25 years. He was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. So there may be times when you're wondering, what is God doing in my life? Why is it so difficult? I have the promise of God, and I want to believe that promise. I'm pursuing the promise. But why is it so difficult? God's allowing you to be strengthened in your faith. He was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God. And he finally came to a point where the Bible says he was fully persuaded. Verse 20, 21. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. He came to the place where he believed that he had received. It was a done thing now. And then he did receive the promise. Amen. I want to encourage you and I. Every promise in this Bible is meant to be fulfilled. God has given us great and exceeding promises. So that through these promises we can enjoy who he is. The fullness of his, his goodness, his mercies, his compassions, his, his power, his glory. We enjoy it through these great and exceeding Precious promises that we can partake of who He is. But for that to happen, we must ask in faith. Receive by faith. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.